Well, hey, New City Church, it's Pastor Ryan here, and uh, all those that are listening, if it's not New City Church, we'll welcome you as well. Uh, another midweek Bible study coming at you, and we've been walking through 1 Corinthians 15 together for the last, uh, I think, four weeks or so, and uh, I really enjoyed looking at kind of uh, the Paul's teaching on the resurrection, I was going to say post-resurrection as we came off Easter about a month ago, uh, just some profound teaching on what happens to us, what happens to the world uh, in resurrection and how we walk now as God's resurrected uh, people, that, that Jesus has done something in his own resurrection that allows us to, to walk in hope and confidence in him and know that the death and decay and sin is not the last say and that, that God is redeeming and restoring uh, all of creation, which includes us, includes the, the whole universe and, and our bodies as well and, and what that looks like. And so, um, so a lot of what, what Paul is talking about here is, uh, about the resurrection and these questions that the church, um, has. And so, so this will be our last, uh, midweek Bible study for a few weeks. Uh, we might be doing these again. Uh, I've really enjoyed these, uh, especially during quarantine and obviously things are different and just a way to connect. Uh, and so I hope to, to do, uh, some of these this summer, I might have a little different format, but, uh, but look forward to that. So we're going to, uh, end up end first Corinthians 15 this morning. Uh, so if you have a Bible, we're going to look at first Corinthians 15, the last few verses. So verses 50 to 58. And it's such a, an amazing, last section of the scriptures, um, the, 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 I shouldn't say of the whole entire scripture, but of the chapter, uh, because the, the su- summary is so practical and, and Paul is a practical theologian. He doesn't want to just leave things in the clouds. Um, he, he doesn't want us to, to just think, well, resurrection and this deep theological idea and this historical reality, and then, you know, just go on and live your life. But it gets, gets really, really practical, which we'll see in just a moment here. So I'm going to read that first Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. It says, I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you in a mystery, we shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised and perishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must be must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality, Immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is the victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What what a an amazing end to this teaching in 1 Corinthians 15 on uh, the, the resurrection. Uh, it's very practical. Again, Paul is always a, a very, how can we apply the gospel into our current situation? How can we apply the gospel into our current reality? And again, this is a church that is struggling. Um, it's, there's some division in the church. Uh, there's some immorality going on in the church. There's persecution going on in the church. Uh, there's just a, a misunderstanding, a misapplication of what Christian spirituality looks like. Um, there, there's kind of a fight over this this kind of super spiritual version of of what it looks like to follow Christ, um, and so the church is a mess. 
And it gives me hope that the church is a mess. But the way the Paul's going to address these things, as he always does, is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's Paul's anthem in his teaching throughout the New Testament, which he's written, you know, three-fourths of the New Testament, is not just to understand the gospel, but to experience its power. And that's what he's been doing here in First Corinthians. That's what he's always trying to do is to say, how do we get this on the ground? How do we experience this in everyday life? And so uh, the, the way it begins in verse 50 is kind of an, an interesting phrase because I think this is misunderstood often. It says, I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Uh, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. And then verse 43, for the perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal body must put on uh, immortality. So one of the things that I've been saying often is in the scriptures, uh, God is not anti-physical, anti-matter. He, he loves the goodness of, of bodies and physicality. This isn't a, a text about, so when we see things like the flesh and blood and physical bodies here, you know, the blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Um, the perishable can inherit the kingdom of God. He's not saying our bodies are bad. But what he's saying is these current bodies, the way they are today, cannot inherit what is coming in the kingdom of God. They're not suitable for the next life. They're not suitable for life in the kingdom of God. Why? Because the scriptures are going to say time and time again, these bodies are wasting away. These bodies are corrupt. They're in decay. They're not eternal. They're breaking down. And if you've lived any amount of time, we know that's true, that our bodies are breaking down, that they aren't the way they're supposed to be. And so what he's saying, again, is not... God hates bodies as against bodies because the resurrection of Jesus would say, obviously, God is pro-physicality. Jesus is bodily raised from uh, the dead. Uh, Jesus comes after his resurrection. He eats with his disciples. He's walking around. You can touch him. You can see him, right? But the difference is, in Jesus' resurrection and our own resurrection, is that our bodies are transformed to be fit for the kingdom of God. The imperishable can't work with the perishable. It's not fit for life in the kingdom of God. We need bodies in a life that will live forever, that doesn't get tired, that doesn't get, get weak, because <clears throat> that's what's coming for us. Because these, these versions <laughs> aren't what they should be. That's why when sin comes to the world, our bodies break down. That's why death comes. They, they don't go forever. We need to be trans. Form. Now, it's also interesting, I think, the way Paul's using these words is that he says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom, is that on another level is what unites us is not our ethnicity, it's not our backgrounds, it's not our education, it's not our skin color, it's not our economic status, but what links us as God's people is God's grace. So what gets us into the kingdom is not willpower. It's not work. It's not earning. It's not any of those things. What gets us into the kingdom and what sustains us in the kingdom is grace. And so the, so flesh and blood, again, is, he's playing on this idea. It doesn't matter if you're a, a Jew in that time or a Gentile in that time. It doesn't matter what you are today. The thing that links God's people ultimately is grace. So grace is what, what brings us in. And, and you think about all the things that have, are breaking down in society and have always been breaking down in society. 
division, wars, anger, hate, violence, racism, sexism, you name it, all the isms. It's because we're trying to say to each other, this is better, this group is better, this thing is better, rather than, than what the, the gospel does and the kingdom does. It says the thing that ultimately unites us is grace. Is grace. So Paul's saying the kingdom, we need a new body. We need to be transformed. And that's what, what he says in 52, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. In a moment, in a blink, these corrupt, perishable bodies will be renewed. Now, he, again, he's the, the whole argument through 1 Corinthians 15 has been often about, well, what's going to happen to the people that are already dead? And do they have any hope? And so you imagine a, a family, imagine a community, a church, and, and people have been already died. And it's like, well, what hope do they have? And, and he's saying, when Jesus returns, this is, again, the future. He's talking about the future here. When Jesus returns... In an instant, the corrupt bodies, the dead bodies will be transformed to receive their new resurrection bodies. Now, again, we can get kind of lost in the weeds of some pretty heavy theology. Um, some have talked about the intermediate state. So um, what is suggested in Scripture is that when we die, we're, we're immediately in the presence of of God. Paul even talks about that way. I'd rather be with you. Uh, he, when he talks about being in this wrestle of being with Christ or doing the work of the Lord, being on the earth or being, doing the work of the Lord, there's this suggestion that, that when we die, the moment we die, we're in the presence of God. But it's not until Christ returns and all is redeemed and all is restored and there's a new heavens and new earth that we receive our resurrected bodies, our transformed bodies. And that's all coming in the, in the future. So when we die, we're in the presence of God. That's the great reality. But it's not until Christ's return that we experience the fullness of resurrection and these transformed bodies that we'll have for all of eternity that will work and function as it should. There's no more sorrow and no more death and no more pain and, and, and no more cancer and, and no more, you know, pain in our, in our bodies or, or health problems or, or mental illness that will all go away. So there's a transformation that has to happen for these bodies to be suitable for this coming world. And I, and I think deep in our bones, we, we get that. I think in our honest, quiet moments, whether you're a believer or not, we know this is, can't be it because there is too much pain and there is too much struggle just to say, well, we get one life and just you know do what you can. But why is there so much pain and sorrow and death? Why do we even care? If this is just it and, and you know eat, drink and be merry, tomorrow we die. Well, there's just a deep ache and a deep groaning. And I think that's what, what Romans 8 talks about. We've been talking about that as a church uh, this last week, is that the whole creation groans for the redemption of our bodies, for, for the reality that we know this body, the, the way things are in our world is because of sin and, and all the sorrow that we experience, that we have this deep-seated ache in our bones and our souls, that things have to be changed. There has to be another world waiting for us. And that's why C.S. Lewis, when he, he talks about all these good things in life that we get to enjoy, art and food and relationships and kids and parenting and marriage and all these, all these really good things, but there's always this, this kind of sadness that comes with those things. 
because they're always going away. And, and, and sometimes we, we go on these, um, we're, um, planning this, this little camping trip with our family eventually and, and looking forward to that. And, and, you know, I think about all the family vacations we've had in the last, you know, 13 years. And there's always this kind of sadness that it's over, that, the fun is done. It's over. You know, it, it, you're tired and you're weary and you had such a great time. And then the weeks go by and the months go by and you're kind of sad. It's like we can't seem to hold on to it. Or think about the moments, your wedding day, having your first child, a, a new job, moving to a new city, whatever it is. Like the, all these good moments just kind of fade into the history of our lives and fade into history. And Lewis would say, it's because we're created for another world. We're created for God. That, that these bodies, these, res- these bodies that are perishable and decaying, not fit for this universe, God is renewing and restoring in a twinkling of an eye. So Paul's trying to give this church hope and give us hope that those that have fallen asleep, there is hope that they will be renewed and restored one day. For the perishable body must put on the imperishable and the immortal body must put on the immortality. When the perishable, verse 44, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Some Bible commentators would say that, that this is kind of the summation of the scriptures, that if we look at from Genesis to Revelation, redemptive history, the sting of death, the sting of evil, the sting of pain is all over the pages of the Bible, all over redemptive history, all over history in general. That that's our story. It's sorrow. It's death. Everybody dies. Everybody's going away. Things are here and things are gone. But he's saying in the resurrection, in the coming of Christ, that sting of death will be no longer. It, it, you can't even begin to fathom. I can't even begin to fathom what it would be like to not experience the sting of losing a loved one, the sting and the realities that we're all wasting away, that we're all going, heading towards the grave because that's all of our destinies. I love the honesty of the scriptures because it doesn't, so many people want to say, well, you know, this is all fantasy and myth and Christianity is just, you know, religion is just this or that. But, but if you read the scriptures, there's no sanding off of the rough edges There is pain and struggle and death and sorrow because that's the reality of life under the sun. That's the reality of our life here on on earth. And so what Paul is saying is death will not have that sting. You will not have the victory. You will not have the last say because in verse 46, he says, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. The sting of death and the sting of sorrow is because of sin and the law. It's We've all made a mess of things. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all worshipped everything but God. And the law just continues to reveal the fact that we can't keep God's commands the way that we should. And we've all fallen short. We've all broken the commands. We all deserve death. And yet, this is where, where Paul's moving towards to, to say, sting, death, you have no more sting. You're going away. You're not a thing anymore. How? How is that possible? Is that just wishful thinking? It's because of what Jesus has accomplished in his own resurrection. Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That the victory of new bodies, 
transformation, these perishable bodies going away, putting on the imperishable, is only made possible because of the victory of Jesus Christ. So none of this is wishful thinking. Hear me, church. None of this is wishful thinking. Our faith is secure and rooted in history, events, things that happen ultimately in the life and death and resurrection of Christ. We don't have to bank our lives on wishful thinking. We don't have to bank our lives on, well, I hope the economy gets better and I hope the pandemic goes away and I hope you know global warming doesn't kill us all. Right? We can bank our lives on a true reality that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the perfect Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, came in the flesh, lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live, died a death we should have died, and rose victoriously from the grave in a full bodily resurrection, that it's his victory that he's won, that if we are in him and we are trusting in what he has accomplished, all of what Paul's saying in 1 Corinthians 15 and all of what the scriptures say and all of what God says is true and yes and amen. All those blessings, all those spiritual blessings are ours in Christ Jesus because of Jesus' victory on our behalf. So we don't have to bank our futures on uncertainty and whether our lives turn out well or whether we make enough money or whether cancer gets us or, or whether we're good parents or good husbands or fathers or uh, husbands or wives or, or what have you, we can bank our future on the work of Jesus. On the work of Jesus. The victory is found in Him. And so our boast and our celebration is not in ourselves. It's not in I'm doing this and I'm bringing in the kingdom. It's in Jesus in his work, his accomplishments, his grace and mercy towards sinners like you and me who came for us, who died for us, who rose for us. And just as his body was transformed in his own resurrection, our same bodies will be transformed. Our bodies, just like his, will be transformed in the same way to rule and reign with him, that we'll have fit bodies to rule and reign for all of eternity with him and with his people in the new heavens and the new earth. Now last... As I mentioned earlier, Paul is a very practical theologian. Because notice how he ends verse 15. Therefore, because of the resurrection of Christ, because of the victory of Christ, because of us being transformed, therefore, in the meantime, now, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. I love this. This is actually one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Because it reminds me that as we look to the past of what Jesus has accomplished, his life, his death, his resurrection, his perfect moral record, his righteousness becomes our own righteousness. All the things that Jesus taught, all the things uh, he did in, in his, when he healed and when he taught and, and, and how he preached the kingdom of God, all his, his embodiment of what it means to live life in the kingdom and what the good life looks like, all the things he's done in the past and all the things that he will do in the future when he comes again and in a, in a twinkling of an eye in a moment, we are transformed and we have these new bodies and there's no more death and no more sorrow and no more sin. What Paul is saying is, as you look back and as you look forward, don't forget the work that you have to do right now. That everything in this life matters. Everything. Now, most of us, and I wouldn't say it in an arrogant way, and I, I think anyone that would say they know exactly what that means, they're probably a liar. We don't know what this means, but it what Paul is saying here is that any work done to honor and glorify Jesus, this resurrected Jesus, is not in vain. God is using it for his kingdom purposes here 
and now. Any work of justice and mercy for the poor and the vulnerable. Any service to our neighbor. Taking care of a child. Raising them. Loving a disabled loved one. Creating art. Music. Paintings. Dance. For the glory of God. Running a non-profit or a for-profit business for the glory of God. Living with integrity and honesty. Every prayer that you pray. Every imperfect act of kindness matters in God's economy. My beloved brothers and sisters, Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord now, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain because of what Christ has accomplished in the past, what he's doing in the future. Think about how much hope that gives us now, that we don't just throw up our hands and just go, well, it's all going to be good in the future. Our best days are ahead of us. And that's true in every way. But what this does is it infuses us with a new boldness, a new confidence, a new energy because of the resurrected Christ. And because we are his resurrected people, we are God's resurrected people living on the earth. So all the work that we do for the glory of God, all the labor that we do for the glory, whether you're a teacher, an engineer, a stay-at-home mom, it does not matter. When it's done in the name of the Lord, your, your labor, your work is not in vain, whether you're a missionary or whether you're a mother. It all matters. Your integrity matters. Your kindness matters. Your prayers matter. Your creativity matters. The work you're doing to teach children matters. And that's the encouragement that Paul wants to to give this church 2,000 years ago and the encouragement he wants to give to us today that he's a practical theologian. He, he, He thinks that the resurrection of Christ attaches itself to all of life and how we live our lives. It's not just woo-woo thinking and deep theological thought, which it is, but it's it's so much more of that. It's because of Jesus' victory now on the ground in our lives. All the work we do for the kingdom will somehow be restored and renewed in the new heavens and the new earth, and it all matters to God, and it matters in his kingdom And it also suggests that we are to live differently because of the resurrection, because we have this hope. We're walking through a terrible time in human history, a pandemic that has affected every human on the planet. It's hard to even fathom. But think about the, the hope that we have in the resurrection. Think about the hope that we can share with other people to say, yeah, these are really difficult times. But because of the resurrection of Jesus, our lives matter now and how we live now. And there's hope now in the moment, not just in the future, but right now. Well, New City Church, uh, it's been great walking through uh, 1 Corinthians 15 for a few weeks with you. We're going to take a couple uh, week break. Um, And if you've been hearing me, we're going to be... having our first soft reopening on June 7, Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m. I just want to encourage you to come and join us as you feel comfortable. And we're trying to make things as comfortable as possible. Uh, so we will um, have two smaller gatherings to keep people safe and spread out. 
We're going to take out some chairs. So when we work together, just be space for people to spread out. We're going to have masks available. We'd encourage you to wear a mask. I know that's, um, people have differing views on that, but we want to encourage you that again, we're not going to beat you up over it, but we'll have masks available as well. Um, just to keep people safe. Uh, the building will be clean. Um, and, and we're doing everything we can to, to just make things safe. We're also going to be streaming all of our services online. Uh, so if you're staying home, not able to come, don't want to come, can't come, whatever your situation is, you can still connect with us that way. And we'll be doing that indefinitely. So I hope that I encourage you. I'm so encouraged this morning by 1 Corinthians 15. What a great way to start uh, our morning together to know that any work done in the Lord because of the victory of Christ is not in vain. And your life is not in vain wherever you are uh, this morning. And so with that, let me close us in prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the life and the death and the resurrection of Christ that happened in the past because now it not only gives us hope for the future, but it gives us confidence and energy today to live for you. And we're all living in the same reality, troubling, uncertain times. And yet we're your resurrected people. We have hope in you that one day these bodies that are breaking down, these sick bodies that are that are perishable, that are in decay, that are wasting away, will be renewed and changed and transformed in a twinkling of an eye. And sin will have no more say, and death will have no more say, and sorrow and pandemics and cancer and divorce and the ugliness of the world and justice of the world will be just a blink in human history because you are renewing and restoring all things. But God, give us the energy today to live lives worthy of you, to love our neighbors as ourselves, to show justice to those that need encouragement and need help, to show mercy to people that don't deserve mercy because you've shown mercy to us. So thank you for 1 Corinthians 15. Wherever uh, my friends, my church friends, my church family, my friends, my neighbors, wherever they are today, God, may you be near them and remind them of these realities because these are true. These are yes and amen that any work we do for you is not in vain. We pray this all in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. It's good being with you guys. Uh, Grace and peace. And I'll see you all real, real soon.